When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Mike Bellina. Andy Bernard. And Doug Sprinthal. And Alex will be back for probably the like quarter after, or who knows when she'll be back. But she'll be back. We'll, we'll be right back after this word from Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Christmas is coming. It's the holiday season. If you're in the market for a new car, it actually is a one of the best times of the year to act. The reason is, I shouldn't have taken that candy right before. It was on. good. I apologize. Well, it was very good. Wait, the candy's all gone already? Oh, oh yeah. No, there's, there's w- a couple. Left. One left. Wow. The reason is the manufacturers are all trying to beat each other into the ground, and so they pile on end-of-the-year incentives from about now until 2nd or 3rd of January. You can see all these deals on walzer.com for all the brands we carry. I'm going to see if I can name them all. Starting in Wichita, Kansas, Audi, Lexus, Mercedes-Benz, Jag, Land Rover, Porsche, Acura, and Mini. Did I get them all? I think I did. And in Minnesota, we've got three Nissan stores. You can go to walzernissan.com and see all three of those. Honda, Mazda, Toyota, Subaru, two Buick GMC stores, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Hyundai. And oh, I always forget Polar Chef. I got to start writing this down. I yeah, remember Polar I used Chef to be able to remember yeah. to, re- to to remember all these, but we've grown a lot in the last couple of years. All these brands, all the deals on all these cars are visible at walzer.com. You're a disaster. I know. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. 
trailers for sale or rent. Sleigh bells ring. <laughs> Are you listening? Is that Diana Krall? Yep. Snow I'll listen to you, listening. big shot. Elvis Costello's wife. Yes. Oh, that's right. That's exactly she right. Great. Really great Great singer. Good singer. Gone really good singer. away is the bluebird here to stay. Is a new bird. Why is it that blind people can sing so well? She's not blind. Oh, I just assumed because she was married to Elvis. She saw, she, Elvis? she saw the bank account. Yeah, she saw the bank account. I, met a, I haven't told you my Elvis Costello story. because no, I've okay. met him a couple of times. So it's 1977, and I pick up these three English guys at the airport. And I'm driving them. They're going downtown. I think the Hilton, if I remember right. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and I said, I know who you are. And he goes, no, Dad, I don't think you do. And I says, no, no, I just, I, you're a musician. And I just, I was at a friend's house just two days ago, and he played me a record. And it's, ah, oh, you're not Elvis Presley. And his eyes get really big and goes, oh, fool, Dad, you do know who I am. I'm Elvis, Elvis Costello. Nice to meet you. And we had a nice little chat. See? He was playing at the Longhorn Bar in Fifth, oh, uh, God, just up from Hennepin. Yeah. Yep. Got free tickets that were worth about three bucks a piece back in the uh-huh. first tour of the U.S. And what do you think of that, actually? I've been a fan ever since. Not the most handsome guy on the planet. No, also not the tallest man I've no, ever met. But He's just about a fabulous five, songwriter. What did he write the other did he write hits for other people? Uh well Allison, I guess, was the one that made him, yeah, right? And Linda yeah, Ronstadt right. covered that. That's true, yeah. And uh Girls Talk, which I think she also covered. Mm, I think you're right. Well, every day I write the book. Yeah. And no, he, he did not write What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. That was Nick Lowe that wrote that. But Nick Lowe. God, I haven't heard that name in a while. Pump it up. See? A 36-year-old man walking toward a gun range was fatally shot Tuesday before he stepped inside. That is some bad timing right there. <laughs> Joshua Cummings had just gotten out of his vehicle and was walking across the parking lot of Hot Wells Shooting Range near Cypress, Texas, shortly after 9 o'clock in the morning when a rifle accidentally discharged inside. Police say a gun range employee in his early 20s had been clearing a high-caliber hunting rifle with a bullet. When a bullet exited the chamber, the bullet went through the wall of the small range house and struck Cummings. What a moron. What? How unfortunate is your timing yeah, there? Yeah, that's yeah. a shame. He just got out of your car. Well, that guy's probably going to go to uh, prison for involuntary manslaughter. Yeah, I don't. If he's inside a building, I yeah. don't. Well, but if he's if he's cleaning a high caliber rifle and he didn't even bother to eject the uh, chamber, then come well, on. Who is that? That that's at least gross criminal negligence. A Harris County Sheriff's deputy tells KTRK he uh, was flown to a nearby hospital in a helicopter but later died. A sheriff's spokesman says homicide detectives are questioning employees. So the homicide department is there. Well, homicide just means any time a person dies. No. Yeah. It's when someone is killed, not well, just when they die. Well, but, uh, yeah, but right. someone can be killed and right. no one can be guilty no, technically. Uh, the shooting appears to be accidental. It's just a terrible tragedy, a range employee tells, K, uh, tells K, KTRK, which identifies Cummings as a father. We simply do not have the words to express the sorrow in our hearts, adds Hotwells in a statement. For 44 years, we have operated this fa- uh, facility accident-free, yet today we are shaken by tragedy. The range said it wouldn't comment on the accident details until after investigation is complete. The worst thing that ever that happened to me is it just happened in the last year. Got it probably about a year ago, maybe it was less than that. But there is a shooting range that uh, I go to in the state of Florida. 
and a woman for her teenage, I think it was like a 15 or 16-year-old son, for his birthday, she took him to the shooting range, and they were shooting pistols. She walked up behind him, shot him in the head, and then shot herself in the face. What the hell? It was because something about, like, I don't know, the, the world was ending or Jesus or something. Yeah, Jesus was calling she them was to heaven or something. Quite clearly insane. Jesus was calling her to heaven. If your crazy mom tells you, hey, let's go to the gun range, yeah. I would be All like, right. no, I'm okay. <laughs> well, it was for his birthday. Oh, but still, psycho mommy shouldn't have a gun. Yeah, that... There had to have been some... Signs? Pre-existing reasons you might not want to go to a gun range with her. Well, she's nuts. Exactly. That'd be a good one. Not let's anymore. Start there. And she's not nuts anymore. She took, shot herself right in the face. Oh, here we go. She right. had to send her son to heaven and herself to hell. That's what it was. You're absolutely. That's the woman. So, she sent her son to heaven and herself to. So come on, there was. There has to have been uh, a little, a few signs. Yeah. Yeah. Like you when, don't just randomly like, oh, I feel this way today. She signed her notes. Failed queen. Oh. What, what in the hell? does that even oh. mean? No. Weird. That's mm. well, you know, it made it difficult now. It's not fair that she did that. When I go to the gun range, you can't even rent a pistol. You have to bring your own. They used to have rent pistols, but huh. now they don't do it any longer uh, because I of that. I think that's smart, yeah. It's very smart. So if you're like... going to kill one of your kids, you got to spend 50 bucks on a gun? you got to buy your own gun, man. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I don't know why gun ranges aren't like you know individual cubicles. Put bulletproof glass between them or something. That would not be a bad idea. Yeah, that's what yeah. I would do. What? I don't like the idea of having some random guy right next to me with a gun who knows how crazy he is. Well, Or just how... Like, I can't think of the word. <laughs> well, mm, negligent. Very... Tomato soup. Mm, tomato negligent. Soup. What's negligent? Negligent is what I'm thinking of. Just like you know, yes, oh, I'm, I'm dealing with a gun, blah, yeah. and then they all of a sudden shoot you in the face because they just don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I talked about that as a matter of fact, and uh, I guess it's rather common for people to commit suicide at gun ranges. Oh, well, it's an easy. Well, was an easy way you, to get a gun. You, you hear about it all the time. Yeah, you do. You do. Or to kill somebody. I mean. That's very sad. Marie Moore, that woman, had a history of mental illness uh, and had been involuntarily committed to a mental hospital in 2002. And this happened in 2009. That happened that long ago? I thought it was about a year ago. God, it was oh. eight years ago. <laughs> she spent a year in a mental home. Uh yeah. Or just don't go a... to a gun range with somebody that's been yeah, that's... committed. I would not have gone to a gun range with my dad. I can guarantee yeah, you that. It's yeah, it's just like a that general never rule. Oh, she thought she was the or Antichrist. somebody has Parkinson's, probably She not. thought she was the Antichrist? Yeah, so she killed herself, and then there will be a thousand years of peace, which clearly didn't happen. And how old was her son, like 15 or something? 20. Oh, he was 20? Mm-hmm. I don't know. She was well, 44. You have to be... How old do you have to be? Yeah, to you can't be yeah, you 15 at a gun range. Oh, that's okay. true. Yeah, very good point. Um, wait a minute. Let's do the math here. This <laughs> like happened this. To, what? The range requires that customers uh, fill out a series of questions, in, including whether or not they've been convicted of a felony or been declared mentally unstable. But right. It works on the honor system, so. Yeah. No, I have not. Kind of fine. pointless. That's why background checks should yeah. happen. Well, yeah, that's why should. you have to bring your own pistol now. That woman would have never been issued a gun. Nope. No. Although she could have just gotten one in some, you know, no. crap hole the neighborhood. Dark so. web. Yeah. Well, that's true. In some crap hole neighborhood, you can go ahead and buy all the guns you want. 
New claim on Roman Polanski. How old is Roman Polanski? He's got to be pushing 80, isn't he? 83. Must. He's 83. I can't believe 84. That. He's 84 now? Unless I just birthdayed. Honest to God. Roman is a popular name again. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's well, Tom, Tom Huseman's son's name is Roman. Yeah, I know like four Romans. Nah. Los Angeles detective said Tuesday they're investigating a woman's claim that Oscar-winning director Roman Polanski molested her in 1975. So that means he would have been, what, uh, that was 42 years ago? Right? Yeah, so it was 40. So he was 42 years old. Seems to be like molester age. Yeah, he was 42 and she was 10. Ten. No, she was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was ten no, years because old. Because there's this this other one is thirteen. The statute of limitations has long expired, so criminal charges couldn't be brought, even if proven. The uh, AP reports, though law enforcement officials may be able to use any evidence they collect to help prosecute other cases. Authorities are now investigating the case because LA detectives will always take a report from any victim, and then determine if the case is within the statute of limitations. A police spokesperson said. The 84-year-old director has been a fugitive since he fled to France in 1978 on the eve of a sentencing for an unrelated case involving the sexual assault of a then 13-year-old girl. Mm. He splits his time between France and his native Poland and Switzerland. The victim in that case, Samantha Geimer, made an impassioned plea to a California judge earlier this year supporting Polanski's efforts to end the four-decade legal saga that limits his freedom. The latest allegations against Polanski were first reported to police uh, in October. Limits when Ma- freedom. How would you Mary like Mary Ann Bernard. <gasps> That's my aunt's name. <gasps> Aunt Mary Ann. Was oh. she a California artist? No, she was not. Well, there you go. When I was attempting to interrupt by saying, yeah, real freedom restriction. Yeah, got to split your time between France and Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really t- oh, horrible. How could you ever make it? That's creepy that it... This woman has the same name as my aunt. Mary Aunt Marianne, yep. Marianne Bernard. Weird. But her name is Marianne Levine now. It's her married name. Uh, and Levine is spelled L-A-W-I-N, just for those of you during the Hanukkah season that were wondering. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Um, that was a sad deal, by the way. Marianne, Larry Levine was her husband. Died of an aneurysm in his stomach when he was like, God, he was not much older than about 45 years old. Aneurysms are... Terrible. He was a great guy, too. I mean, a great guy. Uh, Polanski had molested her during a photo shoot in 1975. He had her pose nude in front of a fur... Or in a fur coat on a beach in Los Angeles County. Polanski's attorney, Harlan Braun said he has hired an investigator to interview the accuser's relatives and has told the investigator to speak with police and provide any information and documents obtained. I believe that a competent LAPD investigation will prove the whole story to be bogus. So they're saying that the woman's lying. Why would she lie about that? What's the motivation to lie about someone who's been on the lam now for 40 years? Yeah, I can't either. Obviously, isn't it? Money? Yeah. What about like that, uh, what's his name? The Fox, Bill O'Reilly. What about him? Bill O'Reilly. He paid out pretty well. $32 million. Yeah. Sean Spicer's ready to set the record straight. What does that mean? It means it's clickbait. It is just clickbait, or is it a story? I wish he'd come back. I miss Sean. I do, too. I think it was hilarious, especially when when Melissa McCarthy would do him on Saturday Night Live. Let me guess he's writing a book. The new one isn't nearly as fun. No. No. He had a short run in the White House, but his turbulent tenure was apparently long enough for Sean Spicer to write a book. 
That's what Politico reports. The former White House press secretary is currently in the midst of doing with Spicer revealing to Fox News Sean Hannity on Monday night that he needs to set the record straight. I look back at the coverage of the campaign, the transition in the first six, seven months of this White House, and realize that the stories that are being told are not accurate representation of what President Trump went through to get the nomination to transition to the White House and then his first six months in office. Spicer all made sure to point, also made sure to point the finger at the press for a mass amount of incorrect and malicious attacks on the president. Um, somebody just did a report on that, as a matter of fact. They watched ABC, CBS, and NBC. Of 1,229 reports, 1,229 reports on President Trump, 109 were positive. <laughs> we must have had the... the... The new writers in that day. And what's Sean talking about? Short tenure. I mean, God, he had Michael Flynn and Scaramucci. Yeah, yeah. Scaramucci was there for two days. Yeah, Scaramucci was around for like two days. Wait that a minute, it. he's a dago. Oh, he's out. He's out. Get rid of him. Um, yeah, I you know, ninety percent of the reporting on ABC, CBS, and NBC is negative toward our president. Well, of course, ninety percent of what he tweets is kind of negative. Yes. I don't think yeah. so. She'd do anything for money. Yeah. Do you find that to be negative? That wasn't sexual at all. Most of the things out of his mouth are terrible. I so. just don't understand why he won't shut up. I really don't. Spicer all made sure, uh, sure to point the finger at the press for the mass amount of incorrect and malicious attacks on the president. The tagline of his tome, The Briefing, due out in late July from conservative publisher... Why did they have to say conservative publisher? They just have to put that mm. stuff in there. Although I've never heard of them. Uh, the name of the company is uh, Regnery, Ranieri, Ranieri, R E G N E R Y. I have never heard of them. Promises to shed new light on the headline-grabbing controversies of the Trump administration's first year. Spicer, who resigned his post after a combat of six months with the press in the White House, when Anthony Scaramucci was hired as Trump's communications director, was replaced by Sarah Huckabee Sanders about ten minutes later. And the thing about Scaramucci is he has completely disappeared. Yeah, you no don't kidding. ever see him anymore. <laughs> what happened to him? Well, we touched on it. You're, there are bad weeks we've all had them, and then there are really bad weeks where he got fired, got divorced, and his ex, soon-to-be ex-wife gave birth, and there was just a whole well, list of kid? stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. It was, oh, but it was he, his was, kid. he remember he wasn't able to see it. Oh, that's right. Oh, it all happened over the course of like 24, 48 hours. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Yikes. Tremendously Speaking unfortunate. Speaking of unfortunate. Speaking of unfortunate, L.A. Nick just got here. How unfortunate for the listeners. You know what I'm saying. Unfortunate. I just started watching a series of unfortunate events. It's, it's really good. Was it yeah. Lemony Snicket? Yep. There you go. I like it. It's obnoxious. We. You're obnoxious. <laughs> I, I saw like six episodes and they just... The, Quirky wordplay got really old. I know. I, I love that. it. We'll be right back. L.A. Nick will join us right after this. Tom Bernard Show. My pillow is the holiday gift that keeps on giving. Long after the bath and body soaps have washed down the drain and the new treadmill has been turned into a clothes rack, your My Pillow gift will be guaranteeing your friends and family a great night's sleep. Buy one My Pillow and get one free online with my code KQRS. Or call my special offer number at 800-694-2056. Buy one, get one at MyPillow.com, keyword KQRS. Or call 800-694-2056. When you care about your job, you care about the job you do. 
At Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, they hire the best people, treat them right, and they treat you right when you call to schedule an appointment. Bryant Furnaces and Air Conditioners and the Sabre Blue Maintenance Plan are as good as it gets. This is Tom Bernard for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Visit SabreHeating.com for special savings on air conditioners. Plus, get more information on their Sabre Blue Maintenance Plan. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Talking about your friend yesterday. You're talking about Eva yesterday. What's your guys' oh, really? favorite foot? My favorite quote. One of the greatest quotes of all time. Yeah. NSYNC, how's, uh, you know, it's so sad that that guy's name was Fat One. Yeah. It's Fatone. I know it's Fatone, but <laughs> it, it's spelled F A T O N E. Yeah. And he was heavy. He was, and the, he only, was the chubby one. He was yep. the chubby one in the group, and his name was Fat One. Yeah. It's like, come on, God. Great. What are you doing uh, it's to It's like me? a David Cross bit. He does that all David the time. David Cross. He's is, a real pleasant is it, guy. Is it uh, Joey Patone? I like him. Oh, no. I think he's pretty funny. Impactable yeah. Jokers now. Uh, he, he's on a bunch of yeah. things. He was yeah. on the Triumphs show, which I don't know if that's even around anymore. Uh, no. I think no. he's on Impractical Jokers a lot, though. I've seen him a lot on there. He was, on a, he was a game show host of, like, oh, Name he? That Tune. Was he? Something? Yeah. Or he was in uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. He was, yeah. yeah. So at least he broke through and got some other cash flow. He's done Broadway. Yeah, there's only one InSync member that really hasn't done any. Chris. Heard Chris, somebody. I saw the weirdest show the other day. It was right on after The Voice was over. And it's a travelogue. What are you, a 14-year-old girl? <laughs> my wife likes <laughs> Blake Sheldon is the sexiest man alive. Yeah. Well, I, Blake know, Sheldon. Once they get it to the finals, these people are actually pretty talented. But the show was a travelogue, <laughs> and it's George Foreman, Henry Winkler... William oh, Shatner. Yeah. That's a good show. What? It was and Terry Bradshaw. It was a. They what? go to Germany, uh, the yep. four of them, by Lederhosen, get hammered at uh, Oktoberfest, and then the next day they're in the park, some a park somewhere, and there's all these naked people wandering around. It's like a nudist park in Munich. So Terry Bradshaw takes off all his clothes. Oh, great! Oh, George Perfect. Foreman looks at him and he goes, "Terry, Terry, your wife is going to have a very difficult time when it's time to put you in a home." <laughs> They were really funny. What's you the know? name of that show? What have you been hanging out with Darkness Dave? He was talking about that yesterday. Yeah, he I was just, talking about it yesterday. I just saw it for the first time on Monday or Tuesday I want to see it now. Monday night. <laughs> was it? It's, it's, it's George Foreman like, and... I think it's called Better Days or something Terry like that. Terry Bradshaw? Like the, yeah. George Foreman. Bucket Terry. List or... No, it's called like Better, Better Day. Late Day. Late Better, Better Late Than Never. Better Late Than Never. Oh, yeah. That's the show that they were... Yeah. They were talking about it and, yesterday. And Henry uh-huh. Winkler's ripping on Shatner because Shatner doesn't want to let anybody take his picture or sign any autographs. And Henry's just making Seriously? it. It's pretty good. Doesn't want anybody to sign an autograph. He's like 95. He's kind of arrogant. Well, oh, William? Yeah. No, you're William kidding me. Shatner is 95. Well, no, he's not. I bet, he's, like, I bet he's pushing 80. Oh, he's got to be yeah, over 80. Yeah, he's probably close to 80. He's got to be over 80. Well, he's Terry had, Bradshaw is the I young one. I say he's 82. Right? He was 19 That's years old when he was on the Twilight Zone in like 1955. He's had a facelift. Shiatna, my guess is 82. Shiatna is 86. Wow. There you go. Ah! It does not look good. None of them no. look good in later hosen. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, William Shatner looks like he's like 60. He's had a couple facelifts. I'm sure yeah. he's paid millions of dollars for very, very intricate surgery. <laughs> well, Terry's got that new movie out. Terry That's Bradshaw? Terry Bradshaw? Yeah, it's Bradshaw the new, uh, well, he's... 
a little, a small role, but it's uh, Ed Helms and uh, Owen Wilson. Is it Tech War? Oh, all my it's, favorites. Yeah. No, but you know who's in it, actually, speaking of favorites, is Ali Wong. Oh, Ali Wong's in it? I do yeah. like her. Uh, uh, father figures? Yeah, there you go. Father figures. Oh, that looks terrible. Yes, it does. It looks horrendous. It looks really I will tell you this. William Shatner is a good interview, though. He's very, very easy to interview, and he's a very nice guy. I remember I interviewed him about 10, 12, 15 years ago. Tom, what are you doing for Christmas, Tom? Why don't you come to the house? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, sure. great. Yeah. yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. See Tom, there. come to my house. We're having Christmas with the family, Tom. And he pronounces my name Tom. It's not Tom. It's Tom. He was a little overly dramatic as an actor. Uh, yeah, just a little, you think? Maybe he's just yanking your chain because we talked about it yesterday. He's a Jew. Well, I know. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. I didn't know he was Jewish. Huh. Yeah, Henry Winkler is, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, Henry Winkler sounds like a Jew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? I mean, don't Jewish? tell Lastman I said that. Speaking of Lastman, by the way. He's been on fentanyl because he had hernia surgery. Fentanyl? Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. God. Why on would the you air. need that? He's like, a bilba with a spot on up. What the hell are you trying to say? Fentanyl's pretty uh, severe stuff. So. Pretty severe. I'm surprised. I'm su- like, what is he, a junkie or something? <laughs> oh, that's really yeah. nice. Why else no, would they give him not. fentanyl instead of, you know... Oh, he's probably exaggerating. Vicodin they probably or Percocet. Gave him, they probably gave him Percocet. It's probably... They might have get, fentanyl's kind of common because it's so cheap. Is it really? It's, but it's, it's so easy to it's overdose It's a synthetic on. heroin. Maybe they wanted him to die. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it costs nothing. Isn't that what yeah, they give people going through... No, that's um, methadone. No, that's methadone. That'd be methadone. Yeah. yeah. So, Fentanyl yeah. is really strong heroin. Yeah, it's this a very, guy, very strong stuff. Well, that's what killed Prince. Yep. Ah. Fentanyl killed Prince. Here's some random facts for your Wednesday. Sahara means desert in Arabic. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> so it's so the it's desert, the desert, 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 desert. Desert, desert. Desert, desert. The some Sahara Desert is a desert, desert. Circus, circus. Is circus the Sahara desert. Casino still standing? Uh, I don't know. Is it? I have absolutely. I know it's closed, but is it still standing? I doubt it. Doubt circus, it. circus? No, Sahara. 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 Sahara Circus. The, what are you talking? No, this is the Sahara. The Sahara Casino. Hotel Casino. Oh. Oh. In Vegas. The Sahara Circus. Sahara. Suddenly, the show took a left-hand turn. I know Circus Circus is still standing. I thought Lastman yes. was here for a minute. It's it still is. standing, but it's now called the SLS Hotel and Casino. SLS. Oh wow! So it's a new thing. The wow. Patty Hearst Hotel. Yeah, S- the, the SLS. SLS. It was in pretty rough shape. I stayed there SLA. one time at the end of the Sahara, and it was like $30 a night. And oh. It was pretty rough. Well, oh. I just spent $400 million renovating it, so... It's all by itself, too. There's That'll nothing it. around it. That'll do it. $400 million in reno, in reno will do it. Yeah. 1,700 rooms. It's pretty big. Good God. Oh, it's a big hotel. Yeah, yeah. clearly. There have been 12 people who've won the EGOT, the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony, but only one person who's been nominated for all four but not won a single one. Mm. That would be Lynn Redgrave. She's been nominated for all four but never won any of them. I could have gone through a long, long list of people before I would have got to her. Yeah. Yeah, who is Lynn Redgrave? Lynn. I don't even know who that is. Vanessa Redgrave's sister. Vanessa Redgrave's sister. She's a good actress. Who's Vanessa Redgrave? She's a good actress. Lynn Redgrave. They're actually both good actresses. Listen to this. I didn't know this. All Jews whose families are from Europe like Roy Moore. No, that's <laughs> All Jews whose families are from Europe, which is almost all the Jews you'll meet in the U.S., are 30th cousins or closer. 
I'm not surprised. Well, everybody's a 30th yeah, cousin. Not, yeah, 30th. Startling. Probably your 30th cousin. Probably. I was going to say, it would be something if it were like 8th cousin, but 30th. Man. Yeah, Well, exactly. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of Jewish people, and they are very insular, so... You know, they tend to stay in one place altogether. Yeah. So it makes sense that they would stay, you know, relatively closely related. Yeah, they found out basically that if they split up, people would tend to kill them off. Yeah. Mm. So they decided probably staying together was the best idea. There are more Jews in New York now than there are in Israel. Really? Yeah, yeah. that's not I surprising. Would probably, I would probably yeah. say it's true. It is. Abs- it comes directly from Well, Israel's population <laughs> is only 8.5 million. There are more than 8.5 million Jews in New York City. No, the population. Uh, I kind of doubt it. I no, wonder no. if they mean the, the entire United is, States. Yeah. 20 million people in New York City. So. Yeah. So I don't think almost There's not 20 million. million people. It's eight and a half. Well, the, the metro. Yeah, the metro. tri-state. Yeah, yeah. yeah metro. Mm. Depends the on where you draw the line. <laughs> on people? From Maine to You're not Maryland. a person. Yeah. Well, I, really? You, you don't think in the... In the... I think say, they say a million people use the subway a day. Well, yeah, oh, but I mean, how many day. people are coming in for Connecticut, right, right, Jersey? Right, no, I'm saying the metro. Yeah, the metro. But at one time of day, there's a million people in New York City. What do you got, Andy? How many Jews live in America? Well, 74% of Israel is Jewish. So what did I say? 3.7 okay, so that's 8. 6.5 million. Let's see. Or did you say 8, 7? So it's about, so it's about 6. 7, 9, 7, 6, 7 million. Times 8, oh, 7. Uh, yeah, 6.5 million. There you go. Okay. See, I nailed it right away. Thank you. You were just close. Oh Hate to be here. It wasn't perfect. I New York City's Jewish population is 1.1 million. So it must be the United States. There are more Jews in the United States than there are in oh, Israel. Yeah. USA Jewish population. Well, that would make sense. Uh, let's see here. Watch, it'll be like 6.4. <laughs> it's 6.8. Well, wow. see, there are more Jews in the United States than there are in Israel, which I guess makes sense. Uh, and, and they're all 30th cousins are closer. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. In the 20s and 30s, 1920s and 30s, people used to have cages built to hang out their apartment windows and would put their babies in them. Mm-hmm. They believed it helped keep them healthy and growing. Well, fresh air, sunlight. Sure. You'd hang your kid in a cage. <laughs> Why not? That's really Wait, nice. What year was this? The 20s and 30s. In America. In America. <clears throat> well, That's exactly right. Before glass was uh, something that wouldn't just break and they would... Well, I mean, you still wouldn't want to make one out of glass. You'd want to make no. it out of, like, plexiglass, which didn't exist which at the time. Which didn't exist then. But I'm guessing there were metal cages. cages. There were yeah. metal cages, yeah. Can't be really good for the kid, I wouldn't think. Especially not on a hot day. Oh, God. When Sega was marketing Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for Sega Genesis in 1992, they decided to build hype by releasing it in the U.S. and Europe on a Tuesday. It stuck, and ever since Tuesday has been the official release date for video games. Really? Why? Why Are would you that reading be, Andy? the Cliff Clavin news site again? Yeah, where, where are you getting all this the stuff The random from? facts. You might want to learn something listening to the Tom oh, Bernard yeah. Show. Video you know, games released on Tuesday. Well, you know I'm going to take that one to my game, grave. One video game grosses more than every movie for the whole entire oh, year. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't make it? a lot of money, don't they? It's crazy. Andrew Anthony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, th- they do always come out on, well, not always, but usually come out on Tuesday. But which why? Which does seem like a weird day. Like, why not Friday or Saturday? Yeah, you would think Friday would make the most sense. You would think. But apparently Tuesday really works. Mm-hmm. I don't know, except for uh, E.T. Yeah. On Atari. That didn't work oh, well. Yeah. They had to bury Is all that those. the one they buried in the desert, desert? Indeed. That's what they say, anyway. 
I don't know if I agree with these figures or not, and I wanted to read this to you. How much would you pay to avoid all the stressful stuff about the holidays? Everything. Nothing. All my money. I'm not stressed out. According to a new survey by Yelp, here are 10 things that stress us out this time of the year and how much we'd pay to have someone else deal with them. This first one is insane, okay? Uh, this is obviously out of the mouth of someone who's never had their house decorated for Christmas. Guaranteed. We'd pay $143 to have someone put up all our decorations inside and outside. Yeah, you lived, if you live in a tent. If you yeah, live in a tent, yeah. it'd be $143. Bucks. There's companies in this city that, that charge to have a business doing that, it's and they charge 500. crazy money. Oh, I will tell you this. Uh, we used to decorate our entire house outside and inside was, and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, very decorated. Uh, finally, when it got to $2,000, we went, <laughs> we're not doing that anymore. Wow. We stopped doing it years ago now, a few years ago. Really? I thought you were hanging those lights out. Yeah, I was up there. (laughs) Those big trees in the fire. I was like, oh, I can see Tom up there. Careful up there, Clark Griswold. Two grand. No, some of these people pay more than that. Oh, oh, absolutely they do. Some of these buildings downtown, (laughs) they spent 10 grand. I remember out in Dayton, we had two huge pine trees in the front porch. And uh, we had a company come and wrap the entire thing in lights, and then we just left the lights there. Just left yeah. them in there. Plug, plug them, them in, in during Christmas and unplug them, yeah, because you couldn't see yep. them otherwise. So Exactly. Yeah. There's a house in my neighborhood that last year had their the blow-up lawn ornament stuff, candy canes up and down their driveway, sure, sure. all lit up and working every single night on a timer until March. March. Until huh? March. Nice. Yeah. I was like... Okay, if you don't want to take them now down. Now I know what I'm going to get you for Christmas. What? A BB gun with a scope. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, I, okay, if you don't want to take your Christmas decorations down, whatever. But don't light them up every single night <laughs> until March. Yeah, the dancing candy canes need to go away before Easter. It's That's so much. It's like you go through all of this work to put all of this up, but you can't take the half hour to take it down. I can tell you don't have an HOA. We do not. Have no, you do not. They would be like, you have to take all your Christmas yep. ornaments down by uh, 4 a.m. on December 26th, or That's else we'll it. find so you $5,000. I had a friend this weekend here from Fort Lauderdale, and he said, I thought it'd be a lot more Christmassy here. There's not a lot much Christmas stuff downtown this year. People no, aren't decorating like they no. used to be. There no. used to be, though. Yeah. Downtown, downtown Minneapolis. When I was a kid, there you would drive down Nicollet Avenue, and every store had magnificent automatrons and all that stuff in their windows. It was fantastic. And now we got nothing. Well, Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis is like mostly uh, first or second generation immigrants. It's all commies, too. <laughs> Communist. Communist. You're a communist. There are big pictures of Putin in every window. That's right. Vladimir Putin. Yeah, okay. Pol Pot Boulevard. (laughs) (laughs) How many people did Pol Pot kill? A lot. Like three million? We we did this a few months ago. I thought it was like six. Six million. It was forthcoming. See, listen to all the stuff you can learn on the Tom Bernard Show. You can hear about... One to three million. Oh, see, yeah, just Bush million. League. 25% of the Cambodian population. Yeah, come not. back for more uplifting holiday stories right after this break. <laughs> Come to the Tom Bernard Show. tell you guys something that you won't believe after yesterday 
when we were uh, discussing how Stevie Dick sounded like a goat singing Silent Night. Mm-hmm. I get to the show this morning and I look down. We're playing Silent Night by Stevie Nicks. <laughs> oh, God. I said, no, we're not. Silent Night. Honestly, you should hear it. We were making fun of that in the Walzer spot. Indeed. Well, you Indeed, make fun of John Oates all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're really nice. Way to go. Way to go, my friend, John Heckinger. John, how are you? Good. How are you, Tom? Not bad, ladies and gentlemen. True gentlemen, the broken pledge of America's fraternities. I love this uh, this topic because I'm not a frat kind of guy. Well, I was only in college for one day, though, John, so I can't, you know. I, was a co- I went to college for one day, couldn't find a place to park, so I quit. That's, uh, that's, that's one way to approach higher education. Oh, it <laughs> sounds no like point. it worked out okay for you. I'm going to be honest with you, though, John. I, um, I was asked to join some clubs when I was in high school or whatever. I should mention also I never finished high school, John. So every time they asked me to join a club, I think it ruined my life. But okay. I, I don't think that I would have been a good fraternity brother. Now, we got a guy here, Mike Molina, who was in the uh, all-Sicilian fraternity. <laughs> was that what it was, all Sicilians? No, no, I wish. And they weren't? No, nope, I was the only one. What was yours? Sigma Alpha Epsilon. SAE. Sigma oh, Alpha. oh, you were an SAE. Yep. Okay. SAE. How the hell do you even remember all these? They're all just like three-letter right. acronyms. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you were in Gamma Gamma Kappa? Do you have to go to wow, college that's... to remember them all? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think, because how many well, are there, like, across the country? There have to be dozens at least. Right, there are um, hundreds. So yeah. Hmm. So John, hundreds were, of chapters. Were you a frat guy? I wasn't. I wasn't. That fraternities uh, uh, weren't big in uh, at, when I was in college, and they certainly weren't big at, at, at my my university. So. Well, where'd you go to school? I went to Yale. Oh, the fraternities aren't big at Yale. It's just that one. The, the, the Bones Skull and Bones Club. Skull and Bones Club that you were in, John. No, I, I wasn't, uh, wasn't in that either. Although it's secret, so I wouldn't, have, wouldn't yeah. be able to tell you in, in any case. Oh, but, that's right. Um, Even if you were, you couldn't tell me. That's right. But the um, actually fraternities have had a, quite a resurgence um, at, at Yale and elsewhere. Really? Um, so um, I think there was only one when I was there, and now there are probably up to a, about a dozen. And, um, you know, they're now... 400,000 uh, members of uh, fraternities, up 50% over the last decade, so they're, they're, they're quite, quite popular, yeah, uh, much John, more popular than probably when any of us were in college. Interesting. Your book is named after the name of the SAE pledge. That's right. There's a that coincidence. Really? So that's why you know SAE, oh, I see. The yes, true indeed. gentleman, yep. Wait a minute. Um, oh, you're telling me that Mike Molina is supposed to be a true gentleman? John, what a swing and a miss this is. Uh, exactly. Exactly. No, I, that's the, 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 main, the main character of, my, of the book is, is Sigma Alpha Epsilon, SAE. And I focus on its creed, the true gentleman, um, which, uh, which Mike, I'm sure, can, can recite to me quite easily. Yeah, Mike, you have to know yeah, it by, Mike, let's know hear it. Know it by heart. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Yeah, but I will tell you. John, I will tell like, you one thing. Oh, go ahead. I, was, I will tell you one thing. I was sitting uh, at a golf course in Florida uh, many years ago, about 20 years ago, and I didn't know some of the people they had, they had paired me with to play golf, and we're sitting at the table, and after a couple of drinks, well, I'd say probably a few drinks, one of the guys I had played golf with started reciting the KKK Pledge. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, hmm. okay, well, this is uncomfortable. Boy, look at the time. I, Do you remember how it goes? I'm yeah, just I would, curious. I don't know if you'd, I'd, I'd even recognize it. Oh, God, it. it started with, oh, God, how did it start? I can't remember. But I'm, I'm, it's a really eerie thing because he got this really weird look on his face, John. It was un. I mean, he got this odd look in his face. And then, Sleeper agent. Whoo! That was something to. Uh, that was something to witness. I'll tell you. So, John, I have to ask you one question before we continue. Okay. Sure. You went to Yale. How come you're not president? Well, uh, I, that's that's always a good question. But uh, <laughs> there there have to be some people who didn't go to Yale who were president. So. Well, yeah, Harvard, yeah, Harvard and Yale. Well, aren't, is that not true that Harvard and Yale are are the two biggest, uh, most well attended colleges by presidents of the United States? You know, I don't know for sure, but uh, I would think Harvard because it's the oldest, yeah, that's oldest true. college in America, probably has an edge. That is very, very true. Uh, true gentlemen, the broken pledge of America's fraternities. Uh, I, I actually want to, this is sad. It's, John, it's very, very sad stuff. Uh, the deaths of young fraternity pledges at Penn State, Texas State, Florida State, Louisiana State. This is terrible. So what is the problem? Now, this last kid, uh, he drank, he drank like, they made him drink 40 drinks or something, 44 drinks or something like that. I think it was 18 drinks in an hour and a half. Oh, so it was, it, it was a lot. Yeah, it was like 40, 44 ounces of booze right, and 18 right. drinks or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was extraordinary. Oh. Um, but what was, you know, actually the hazing at Penn State, what was really unusual about it really was that it was caught on film. Um, yeah. Many, I, I write about other cases in the book involving SAE where young men are, are either locked in a room or forced to drink uh um, ever clear out of a bag until they finish it, and Ooh, um, God. you know, left, left, um, you know, left unconscious and not taken to the hospital. This is ha- this happens time and again at fraternities, and what we have at Penn State is just kind of a, a visual accounting of it, which is really shocking. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, pledging is pledging is one of the one of the big issues that I write about in the book. Um, all four young men who died this year were pledges and that means they were not full members and they were basically um, at the mercy of the older guys who would tell them what to do and they desperately wanted to join and that puts uh, particularly freshmen and uh, at risk because they they don't many of them don't know their tolerance for alcohol and um, so one of the reasons I focused on SAE is they had had more deaths than any other fraternity they had had 10 over almost a decade, and they were in danger of basically going out of business. Their insurance company was going to cut them off, and they eliminated pledging no. three and a half years ago. And since then, they haven't had another death, um, although they have had to uh, just recently. They shut down their chapter at the University of Mississippi for hazing. They shut down more than uh, 30 chapters over the last uh, several years um, to try to sort of stamp out hazing. I don't, it seems like it's made it safer. I don't want to seem like a wise guy, but and I'm very being very serious about this. Why would anybody want to be in a fraternity? Well, you know, the the research is is pretty clear that members of fraternities val- often value their experience. They feel more closely oh, okay. tied to students at their schools. They have a powerful career network. Um, it's a great stepping stone to boardrooms and to political careers. Yeah, well, is that a big part of it that they just think by being in a fraternity it will hook them up and, and they'll have uh, 
connections to get a better job and have a better career? That's a big part of it? That's a big part of it. And also, um, you know, the parties, the um, access to alcohol, um, you know, that's that's the other big problem with fraternity life right now is that the research is pretty clear that fraternity men drink more than others on campus. Um, that's been borne out over, over many, many studies. And so they often are kind of controlling the, the liquor. They're kind of like the underage bartenders on campus, and that's why it's so dangerous. That's also part of the appeal. You know, it's so amazing because... When I was a, uh, my voice changed when I was 11 years old, so my voice then sounded like it does now. And they used to deliver liquor to your house, so I would literally call the liquor store and order it. And then the youngest kid in our group would answer the door, and I'd pretend I was in the shower and go, Yes, son, the money's on the television. Uh, it was really easy to get booze back in those days because my voice was so deep. I don't know. It just, well, Melina, tell us a little bit. Why? Because. You went to school in your hometown. Why did you want to join a fraternity? Well, for me, I mean, I was going from a small Catholic high school. Our graduating class was 65, and I uh, got into the University of Minnesota, which is one of the biggest public universities in the country, and it's 60,000 kids. And so I was going from a class of 65 to 60,000 kids, and I needed, uh, you know, I did not know anybody from my graduating class that was going to the U, so I knew no one, and I needed a place to live, and uh, one day I was walking down the street, frat row on University Avenue, and this kid approached me and actually got bids from multiple houses. There was about six bids out to me, and it just so happened that I seemed to click well with the guys in SAE, and uh, it just happened. Well, John, I need, to, I need to tell you one thing. Sure. That Mike Molina is 6'5 and probably weighs about 220, so, you know, having a big Sicilian is probably not a bad idea anyway. Did you go to Hazing? Oh, yeah. Well, that experience, yep. Mike, is, I mean, that, I, I heard that from, I, I traveled across the country for this book and talked to a lot of members of uh, fraternities, and that's a fairly common experience, that people make good friends there, they're, particularly at a big public university like the University of Minnesota. I mean, it's, it's often can seem impersonal, yep. and um, it, it's kind of a ready-made social circle. And, you know, are, are, the, are these guys still kind of your friends this many many years later or yeah yeah we check in especially homecoming and uh you know right about now everybody's starting to get married engaged or have kids so yeah we definitely check in um from time to time so i think that also explains the appeal yeah that's not that's not a small thing and i mean the question that the leadership of se was asking is can they kind of disentangle these sort of terrible traditions with the these uh you know, traditions of brotherhood. Mm -hmm. so Definitely. That's, that, that's the question. And just on a personal note to talk uh, about Minnesota Alpha, which is my chapter mm -hmm. house, uh, you know, we, you know, we never had these big run-ins that you hear about uh, in the news, thankfully, and uh, I would not have stayed a member of the house all four years of undergrad had there been any big, big issues. And we actually, um, my, my senior year, we won the John O. Mosley Award for zeal for the best chapter house in the country of all the houses of SAE. And so, wow. like, well, that's a, yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah, we had a good time, and uh, there was hazing when I was a pledge and went through the pledging process. So, you know, uh, there were guys that were in my pledge class that did not make it through the pledge semester for whatever reason, and um, you know, it, it was you hear these stories that come out in the news today, and I'm like, wow, uh, you're shocked. 
to be quite honest, because nothing like that ever happened in my four years when I was at Minnesota Alpha. Speaking of shocking but why, things. Why were you shocked if there, I mean, you had hazing. What, what kind of hazing? Well, well I mean, there's the, the definition of hazing, I guess, yeah. like just um, It's a things, lot more intense now. Yeah, the intensity of like what these kids uh, go through nowadays. Mm-hmm. And when I say kids, I mean, I was, this is mm-hmm. less than 10 years ago when I was in the house and so 18 year olds are children yeah i mean there were you know on the broad strokes of what is defined as hazing yeah you know like having to live in the house going through hell week um or initiation week as it's called and just little things that we had to do you know we had pledge names and tasks that we had to do throughout the semester but nothing to the extent of like drinking 40 ounces of alcohol in one you know 90 minute period nothing like that there's this one thing um alex gerard you know my friend, yeah, right. um, uh, who a bunch of people in this room know. That's why I said his name. Um, when he first got into college, his mom kept constantly saying, don't do the power hour, never do the power hour, which is <laughs> yeah, six, the- 60 shots in 60 minutes. Oh. I don't know how anyone survives that, but apparently that's a thing. And yeah, well, he just kept being like, I'm not going to do the power. Oh my gosh. There's no, like, he, Deb, he's not the, the type that would do that. No. And I don't know no. why she was worried about it, but. Well, because he was, he, he left the state. And yeah, I this guess. is like the most Norwegian, yeah. Midwestern woman in the world. Uh-huh. So I. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, 60 shots in six. I couldn't imagine surviving that. Yeah, you'd have to have quite the tolerance built up. I'd survive 60 mm-hmm. shots from a gun sooner than 60 shots of alcohol. <laughs> Is it probably true that they nobody ever makes it through the power hour? That well, they I think just pass it, out? Usually, though, most people, I think it was defined, was the power hour was beer. You were not drinking shots of alcohol. Oh, Hard alcohol. shots was, of beer. Yeah, it was a drink oh, of beer a minute. Okay. And, uh, like, the song would change. So well, you'd have a that, Yeah, you'd have uh, 60 songs play for a minute apiece. And so when the cho- song changed... You took a swig of beer, so it wasn't that amazes me. Well, that's I mean that's one of the big changes now is um, there was a lot more. If you go back to the to the 80s, probably that there was a lot more drinking involved beer more, and now it's a lot of hard alcohol. Uh-huh, and yeah. one of the changes that some of the fraternities are trying to to bring about is to to shift from the hard liquor because the deaths that we've seen recently they all involve shots of shots of alcohol vodka ever clearer yeah that's... Um, it's very hard to poison yourself drinking drinking beer yeah that's very true i tried it a couple of times yeah that's everybody true. gave it a whirl you get full first john i gotta tell you i'm one of the people that recommends your book true gentlemen the broken pledge of america's fraternities i had the pleasure of having dinner with tom brokaw one night and then he got up and did a speech it was the best speech i've ever heard in my entire life that man is a great speaker that's definitely true. It well, is. I was, I was honored that he read an early copy of my book. So that was that was great. No question. NBC's Tom Brokaw calls True Gentleman timely and deeply unsettling. And the Washington Post recently gave the book a rave review, calling it a blistering inside look at the traditional Greek system, a book of revelation. John Heckinger, H-E-C-H-I-N-G-E-R. And uh, speaking of the Washington Post, the book's available on Amazon, I assume. Well, that's right. That's right. There's a com. Does anybody know the 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 connection there? The what? connection. The connection between the Washington Post and Amazon. Well, yeah, Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos, owns, Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. What the? Why he wanted to buy a newspaper, I'll never understand. But that's just me. Tax write off, probably. Yeah, maybe. John, thank you very much for your time. I, I again, it's 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 interesting to learn this and having Molina here as well because I know nothing about those things. I, I've never been a club kind of guy in in my life anyway. 
So to hear why, I suppose people just want to fit in. That's it. They just yeah. want to feel comfortable, and they want to fit in, and they want to be liked. It's a powerful urge to belong. There's no question about it. No question. John, thank you, sir. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. We will be back. Tom Bernard Show.